The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the Winter Weekly Wrap from Hawkeye's Mike. This podcast focuses on Iowa's men's and women's basketball teams, as well as wrestling, plus updates on Hawkeye's football. You'll hear from Iowa's head coaches and student athletes, as well as sports reporters and special guests. This week, football's quick hits. We have two new assistant coaches for the offense. You'll hear from head coach Kirk Ferentz, along with the new assistants, Kelton Copeland and Tim Polasek. On the court in men's basketball, Basketball, Fran McCaffrey looks ahead at the whiteout game Saturday against Illinois. Also on the court in women's basketball, head coach Lisa Bluter talks about her team, including her review of their Big Ten win over Northwestern at home. And on the mat in wrestling, Tyler Chemelin previews the dual meet at Edinburgh, which is part of the National Duels Championship Series. You'll hear from head coach Tom Brands, plus wrestlers Michael Kemmerer and Topher Carton. And this week, we also have baseball on the field. Iowa kicks off its 2017 season with a three-game series at South Florida. And next week, they'll play in the Hoover Classic in Hoover, Alabama. Two games Friday and Saturday against Alabama State. And one game on Sunday against Moorhead State. Hawkeye's mic programs are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, building strong and safe in the Midwest for over 50 years. Iowa football continued to make news this past week with the hiring of two new assistant offensive coaches. Tim Polasek will coach the offensive line. He was offensive coordinator at FCS Powerhouse, North Dakota State University. He also coached the running backs there. And you'll recall, NDSU beat Iowa at Kinnick last season. Polasek also played quarterback at Concordia University, setting many records there. The other new assistant, Kelton Copeland, comes over from Northern Illinois University. He will coach wide receivers and probably special teams, same thing he did for the NIU Huskies. As a player, he was a quarterback who set many records at Emporia State. The salaries being paid to the new assistant coaches are interesting. Ken O'Keefe, who returns as quarterback's coach, gets a whopping three-year contract, which is the longest of any Iowa football assistant, and it's at $540,000 a year. Brian Ferentz, as the new offensive coordinator, remains at $425,000 per year, at least for now, and his new contract, when it's finalized, should be a two-year deal. Polisek gets one year at $325,000, Copeland a year year at 225000 Both of those deals are consistent with Iowa contracts for assistant coaches. There still is the possibility of a 10th assistant if it's approved by the NCAA in April. Kirk says if that happens, it'll give him additional staff flexibility. Here's what Ferentz had to say on the new hires. I'm really extremely confident that both uh, Kelton and Tim are not only going to complement our staff, but I think strengthen our staff, help us continue to move forward. And that, that's uh, what we're intending to do from the onset of this whole thing. Uh, it's interesting, both uh, both guys you know, were quarterbacks as players in college during their careers. Uh, from my vantage point, they both have 
have earned their way every step along their career. Their resumes, uh, to me, were extremely, you know, very, very impressive. And they both have coached multiple positions, and that would include special teams as well. So they've got uh, real varied backgrounds uh, coaching-wise. Uh, and then on top of that, they uh, both come from highly successful programs, quality programs, programs that we have uh, a lot of respect for, programs that we've competed against. And then in addition to that, you know, I think the other thing that really stood out to me is we started doing a little bit of research and started the interviewing process. Both uh, Kelton and Tim surfaced really quickly in our minds. So, you know, just excited about that. You know, looking back on you know, this whole thing, I think my mentor, Joe Moore, really demonstrated the importance of hiring a good coach as opposed to trying to fill a position or hire for a position. And uh, that was kind of the, the mindset that we had going into this whole process. Uh, certainly knowledge and expertise are important. Uh, I'm not minimizing that, but I think it's more important to get the right person. person that's going to be a great teacher, a great mentor. Uh, it's a big part of college football. And, and someone that has, you know, a shared vision and approach uh, that, that uh, you know, we think is important. And I was impressed uh, with both uh, both candidates. I think, you know, both uh, Kelton and Tim have, to me, demonstrated they're, they're uh, willing to stretch themselves professionally, you know, and really expand and not just stay in the safe zone. I think they both have done that. Ferentz was asked about the youth of the offensive staff with four of the five under the age of 40, including Polisek, who's 37, and Copeland, who's 36. We, we didn't have a bar necessarily, but, uh, you know, certainly, you know, Ken was, was a key part of this com- whole, whole equation uh, when we made the move with Brian. I think it just gives us that, that you know, that veteran presence in the room, the experience. And, uh, you know, so that, that to me is really valuable. And I think especially with Brian's transition, it's going to be very, very valuable. Uh, really kind of like, you know, Jim Reed, the way he helped, I think, Phil Parker, you know, a veteran guy who had been a coordinator, uh, helping Phil as he got his feet on the ground too. So, you know, those, those kinds of things you look at. But then after that, really, there was no – we had an open mind on pretty much everything. We were just trying to get fit, find the guys that we felt were really going to embrace our values, our, our approach, and, and, and more importantly, add to it. And I think that's what we've uh, come up with. Kelton Copeland talked about how he fits into the Iowa football culture. That was huge. In the interview process, that was huge. That was something that they hit on quite a bit. And, and that question came up uh, quite a few times, to be honest with you. And, and honestly, I can tell you, our values, our core beliefs are parallel. And like I said, it started even before any of this opportunity came about. When I watch these guys play and I watch and I hear about Coach Ferentz and how he runs things and how he treats his not only his players but his staff, the, the core values run parallel together. I mean, the things you're talking about, you know, winning off the field, not only winning on the field, yes, that's important, but developing young men, right? Being honest, being loyal, right? Doing things the right way, treating people the right way. And when I came there, my interview process, and we started talking and we got to know each other a little bit, we found out pretty quick that our core values are pretty similar and pretty parallel. So to me, it was, a, it was an easy fit. It's a program that I respect. I mean, uh, just put it this way. When I was coming up, like I said, Coach Kiel is a big mentor of mine, and I played for Coach Kiel, and he used to always say, uh, you know, we want hard hat, lunch pail toting people. And it's just that blue collar mentality. And that's the way I was brought up as a kid. That's the way I was brought up as a player. And when you watch Iowa football, that's how they play. It's blue collar, it's hard nosed, it's tough, it's physical, and it's relentless. And that's the way I love the coach, and that's what I love watching guys play. Copeland talks recruiting the areas he prefers and the challenges of recruiting athletes to the north. I feel comfortable in, in all aspects, to be honest with you. I've, I've recruited uh, my, obviously you guys have checked out my bio and my resume, and you know I've, I've recruited a lot of different areas, South Florida, Chicago, Kansas, Kansas City area, Detroit. 
Detroit, Indianapolis, so forth and so on. So to, to say that is one more area more comfortable for me than the other? No, absolutely not. I'm born and raised in Miami, Florida, so obviously if I'm if I have the opportunity to recruit down there, so be it. I'm, I'm totally fine down there. If it's Chicago, if it's Kansas City, if it's anywhere Coach Ferentz and the rest of the staff decides to put me, I'm confident in my abilities. I, I know what we're looking for. I know what our goals are with this program, bringing the type of kids we want here. And wherever I'm placed, I feel like we're going to do a great job of getting those guys here and helping us win, win, win championships biggest challenge is just distance and lack of knowledge. Probably the easiest way to put it, you know, myself, I take myself for example, when I was a you know 17-year-old kid coming from, from Miami, Florida, and you would have said Iowa, first of all, I probably wouldn't have been able to point Iowa out on the map, to be honest with you. Second off, I would have thought that that was like the other side of the world. So that's probably the biggest obstacle is getting them to understand, yes, it's, it's a different way of life, but it's still a good way of life. And in a lot of ways, to be honest with you, it's a better way of life. So that that's probably the biggest obstacle. Copeland was asked about his philosophy of coaching wide receivers. My philosophy is very simple. Be straight up with them. Be honest with them, right? Have a plan, right? And then let them know that I'm going to do everything I can in my power to, to help you along the way. Right, not only make you a, a good football player, but to help you become a good man. That's first and foremost. Like I said, one of my core values is honesty. Right, that's the most important thing to me. If we have a true relationship where we can trust each other, but we have something to build off of. No matter if you play every down in your career here, if you don't play one down here. All right, if you're honest with me and we're loyal and we're working towards the same goal, we'll always have a great relationship. If at any time that, that trust gets broken, then we'll have an issue. But in my experience, that, um, that usually doesn't happen. They, if they trust you, they'll Buy in, buy into what you're coaching. You study film. I watched games from last year, getting ready for the interview process and the whole deal. And you, you get a feel for, okay, this guy has this talent level, this guy has this this talent set, this you know this um, skill set, so to speak. But at the same time, you don't know exactly what you're getting until, until the lights come on, and then and then we get to see. You know, it's a big thing about potential versus production. Right? A lot of people have potential, but when the lights come on, and you got to produce. That's when you're gonna find out what's true and what's not. Tim Polisek was asked about the challenges of coaching the offensive line at what many believe is O-line university. You know, why wouldn't you want to is more is the better question, I think. I mean, an opportunity to grow, an opportunity to be uncomfortable for a couple weeks here. And, and quite frankly, I mean, when you talk about the top offensive lines in the country, I mean, an award don't, you know, give you that status. I mean, this is a, a reputation thing that's been here for a long time. And so I see it as an opportunity to learn and grow from several guys upstairs that, that really understand the position. I've always been of the mindset that I'm going to try to create uncomfortable comfortable situations for the players and so why would that be any different for a coach that's trying to move forward and do great things and so super excited about the offensive line I know I haven't coached it before but three years ago I wasn't an offensive coordinator either and so we'll just keep meeting these challenges head on and and uh you know with an extremely good work ethic a passion you know and the want to I think anything is attainable and and I really gonna encounter the challenge just knowing that I have a good teaching background and I think that we can get those five or six seven eight guys to come together and play hard you know and and do what they're supposed to do. And Polisic talks about recruiting, the areas he prefers, and the type of players he likes to go after. My primary area has been, you know, Wisconsin. Um, obviously, with the, the duration of my stay at, at North Dakota State, Minnesota feels like I've been there forever. You know, I feel really comfortable in those two areas. But I have recruited, uh, you know, the northern suburbs of Chicago. I think for a two-week stint, you know, getting us started in the Orlando and Tampa Bay stretch, I did that. I'll answer that question the same way I told Coach Ferentz. I, I really value the upper Midwest. I really have a relationship 
relationship, I think that it's easy, you know, to talk to those guys when you know you're going into a community and if there's a steel factory there, you know what they're going through. I'm totally confident that you could drop me off with a helicopter in the desert and we'll go find some people to build a relationship with and find out who the biggest guy is that can bend and move and then do our best to get him educated on, on University of Iowa and then not only that, get him on campus multiple times and go from there. I think growth potential is up there for me. You know, I want to see a kid that's got some length and ability to grow into his body. Maybe something that somebody's not had picked up on yet. You know, maybe his dad's 6'6", and this kid is only 15 years old, and he's going into his senior year, those kind of things. Uh, character. You take a bad kid, he can beat you every day. You know, if you take, and you don't take that guy, you maybe see him once a year. You know, so what we've found in my travels, and, and I'm going to talk about North Dakota State, we just found that finding the right guy, you know, that can fit the culture and recruit to the culture is the most important thing because if the culture is about effort and it's about competing and improving and you get those kind of guys, you know, we're going to we're going to be confident in the strength coach and, and our coaching ability. We'll get that guy somewhere. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings, moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. The Iowa men's basketball team has now dropped two straight games on the road. Last Saturday, it lost 77-66 at Michigan State. This followed the double overtime loss at Minnesota. Prior to those, the Hawks had won three straight. At Michigan State, Iowa had a 32-31 halftime lead, but they slumped in the second half. Shooting woes hit them both from the field and three-point land. They were only 33% overall, 19% from beyond the arc. For example, Jordan Bohannon had no points. He was 0 for for 8 from the field and 0 for 6 from beyond the arc. Peter Jock and Tyler Cook led the Hawkeyes in that game. They each had 13 points. Iowa did force 20 Michigan State turnovers. Iowa sits at 14 and 12, 6 and 7 in the Big Ten. Next up is the whiteout game this Saturday at Carver Hawkeye versus Illinois. Fans are encouraged to wear white in support of former player Kenny Arnold, who is very ill. Several of the players from Iowa's 1980 Final Four team will be in attendance including Ronnie Lester, Mike Henry, Greg Stokes, Steve Waite, and Vince Brookins. There will be an autograph session preceding the game. Both Iowa and Illinois were idle this past week. The Illini are 14-12 and 12 overall, 4-9 and nine in conference play. Head coach John Gross is supposedly on the hot seat. Illinois dominated Iowa in Champaign using a hot start to win 76-64 on January 25th. This game Saturday is a sellout, though there are some limited standing room only tickets that remain. After this, Iowa remains at home to play Indiana on Tuesday. That's an 8 p.m. tip on ESPN. And then it goes on the road to play a very tough Maryland team. A 5 p.m. start on ESPN2 a week from Saturday. Certainly a tough road to hoe. The Hawkeyes then have to play at Wisconsin and finish out at home against Penn State. The NCAA tournament appears to be out of the picture for this young team, barring winning the Big Ten tournament, which is unlikely. And the NIT is even beginning to look dicey unless the Hawks get hot here as they close out the regular season. Iowa has had success defending Carver Hawkeye this season. Fran McCaffrey was asked why that's the case. I don't know. I mean, you know, there's times when I felt like we played pretty well on the road. We seem to have played better at home. Most teams do. You know, there's, there's clearly a lot more parity than there's ever been in this league, you know, so you're going to see 
home teams lose when that happens. But I really, you know, I really don't focus on that at all. We just try to figure out what what we need to do. Okay, you know, we haven't shot it as well on the road. We've gotten behind a few times on the road, uh, and sometimes you just have to kind of grow and learn how to compete on the road when a team is. You know, they shot it well against us last time we played them. They really battled. They defended. I mean, they were they were really good at the start of that game, and we were not. And you know, we fought back, but you know, we spotted them too many. So you got to play better at the beginning of the game, and hopefully, we'll do that. After the loss at Michigan State, McCaffrey talked about the possibility of shortening his bench to close out the regular season, but maybe not. You know, again, I, I go back to the one thing I said to you guys after that game. There, there's always going to be a sense of fairness, you know, with me. It's not going to be, okay, well, I need to shorten the bench so you two guys aren't playing. Well, they deserve to play, then they need to play. And that might mean that others don't play as much. And we could say, well, maybe they need to play a little bit more. Maybe they would develop quicker. But I'll still probably lean towards playing guys who deserve play. I'm having a hard time not playing Dale Jones and Macy Daly, to be honest with you. Fran was asked what players probably deserve even more playing time. There's probably a lot of guys that fit that kind of, you know, Cordell, Tyler, Creener, Christian Williams. I mean, there's a lot of guys that fit into that guy, Isaiah Moss. You know, you you think back to the Minnesota game, he's on fire, and then, you know, Brady comes in, he's playing well. we got a lineup that clicks. We're down 13 points. We take the lead. I'm going to leave that, that lineup on the floor. Then they get exhausted. So now you put those guys back in, but they've been sitting a while, so they're not quite as comfortable. You know, that's what happens when you get into games. You, you just try to make the best decisions you can make at the time and hope it works out. But you get a team that's clicking and erases a 13-point lead as quickly as, that, as we did that day, then you're going to leave that team in, you know, on the floor. Fran McCaffrey has always emphasized appreciation for the history of the Iowa program. The Saturday's whiteout game honoring Kenny Arnold is an example, and many of the players from the Final Four 1980 team will be in attendance. McCaffrey talked about that. I remember that team well. They won it in Philly. You know, I was I was at both of those games just as a fan. I was playing college basketball at the time and really, you know, enjoyed watching that team. You know, Vince Brookins, Bobby Hanson, Ronnie Lester, Craftsison, Steve Wade. I remember I remember watching that team play and that region had some pretty good teams, Maryland, Georgetown, uh, that they had to beat. And uh, I just think it's great that uh, you know, when you look at it, how that group of guys has continued to sort of take care of Kenny, especially Mike Henry. But I mean, so many guys. I mean, they, and, and just think about how frustrated you'd be if you if you couldn't really communicate for 20 years when you were fully aware of what's going on around you. The fact that it came to be that we were able to figure out a way through technology and the advancement of technology to allow him to communicate, how great that is. Uh, it's just unfortunate it didn't happen sooner. But those guys, you know, sort of loving him the way that they have, you know, sort of continuing his legacy and making sure that people remember him and wish he could be here. You know, his health doesn't look like it's going to enable him to do that, but he was here a couple of years ago. He got a standing ovation. That was terrific. He was in a locker room with the guys and I just think it's important that your players not only know and understand appreciate those who came before and and, and we're going to have a packed house on Saturday but the reason those people come is they you know they've been coming for for generations uh, to watch this team play and that's what it's all about so you know it was great that you know when coach Olson was here for the Iowa State game you know it all sort of came together then you know, a bunch of those guys were at my house uh, the night before the game and we talked about it and we're just glad to be able to pull it off after this break Tyler Chumelin's on the mat
Are you or your local Iowa company looking for a new roof or sheet metal work? TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal specializes in low-slope commercial and industrial roofing and sheet metal. Building strong and safe in the Midwest for over 50 years, TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, located in Ely, Iowa, just south of Cedar Rapids, provides strong, expert customer service and the best quality fit for you, their customer. For a free estimate, give TNK a call at 319-848-4191 or toll free at 1-800-383-7663. You can also visit their brand new website at tkroofing.com. TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, your home for all your low slope roofing systems. Give them a call today. Again, 319 848 4191 or toll free at 1 800 383 7663. It's time for On the Mat, your Hawkeye Wrestling Podcast update. I'm Tyler Chumlin, your host at Tyler Chumlin on Twitter. This past week saw Iowa in action in a big win over Indiana, in which Iowa was victorious at eight of the ten weight classes, including a whole bunch of bonus points in matches. Iowa won the meet 32-7 to on Friday night before traveling back home for the final dual meet of the regular season with number six Nebraska. The Hawkeyes started strong with a win at 125 for Gilman against Nebraska, but Clark lost to Montoya at 133. The Hawkeyes took the pressure and capitalized big time, winning the next six matches on their way to a 27-9 victory. Here's Tom Brands on the aftermath of the Nebraska meet. Nebraska came for blood, and Tom Brands knew it. That was a good Nebraska team. They came for blood, and they didn't put their best team out in the mat. You know, they didn't wrestle Dudley at 84, but they came for blood, and uh, you saw it, and I thought we responded well. It was an out Sunday evening that Iowa would wrestle number 23 Edinburgh in the NWCA wrestling duels this Saturday evening at Edinburgh before prepping for the Big Ten tournament beginning March 4th in a couple weeks. Let's go ahead and go through the weight classes at 125. Number one, Thomas Gilman won easily in pinning fashion over number 20, Elijah Oliver of Indiana on Friday, but was pushed by number five, Tim Lambert from Nebraska on Sunday. Gilman won the match over Lambert 6-3. He'll wrestle number nine, Sean Russell of Edinburgh in the duel on Saturday. 133, Philip Logs beat Peppel of Indiana Friday, but number three, Corey Clark stepped in and wrestled Sunday. Clark's battled injury. True test came Sunday with Eric Montoya, the number five ranked wrestler at 133. The match was close. A crazy scramble in the third period. At the very end, looked like phantom back points. The Hawkeye fans were not happy with it, but Montoya pulls through, finds himself with his hand raised after a 9-6 win over Clark. Clark needs to get healthy. That's the bottom line. He needs to be on his A game when tournament time hits here in a couple weeks, whether it's Clark or Philip Laux. Once again, they should get number 20, Corbin Myers of Edinburgh, coming up this Saturday. At 141, Intermat ranked number 13, Topher Carton has been a man on a mission these past few weeks, making a push towards the postseason with a vengeance. The senior recorded an 8-5 win over Weaver of Indiana, then knocked off number 10, Colton McChrystal from Nebraska, 6-4 on Sunday. The win over McChrystal was Carton's first over a top 10 opponent in his career, and it was his final match at Carver Hawkeye Arena on Senior Day. Here's Topher Carton, the senior, on what it means to win his final match at Carver in front of the Hawkeye fans. Going, in, going into this match, getting ready, I was, I mean, even just from walking over my apartment across the street, I was just trying to take everything in. Uh, it's going to be my last time, my last walk down this tunnel with this, tunnel with this group of guys. Um, I wasn't going to lose. Uh, I mean, we, I've said it before, I've said it again, this, these are the greatest fans in the world. Um, I wanted to go out on a positive note and give them, give them something to cheer about. It was my last time in Carver. So I just, all I could do was go out and, and wrestle. Um, and like I've said before, when I go out and wrestle, that's when my best wrestling comes out. Um, third period, I think I need to score more. Uh, kind of sat around with the body lock and a couple underhooks. 
I circled in one time with, with the underhook. Uh, I just got to pull the trigger. Third period takedowns are going to be the difference come, come March and those, those blood rounds and those advancement points and getting on that podium, getting to the top of that podium. Now here's Tom Brands on Topher Carton. He gives him a little bit of praise here, but as always, there's always more to do. Here's Tom Brands. Loves to play to the crowd and whatever keeps a guy going and gets a guy going. Uh, there was a takedown there where you get the guy's hands and touches, not reaction time, and that was the difference in the match. That's heads up. A lot of good things going on for him. Um, we, we're still building, though. And the last time here, let's give him a tribute and knowing that we got a lot of work to do. Carton should get Nate Hagen of Edinburgh coming up on Saturday. 149, number three, Brandon Sorensen scored a technical fall over Chris Perez of Indiana and then a major decision over Colin Purrington of Nebraska Sunday. Sorensen, one of the tougher matchups coming up against Edinburgh and number 11, Pat Lugo. Lugo, the freshman, has wrestled some very, very tough matches this season against the elite opponents. Anthony Colica lost twice, 6-1 to and 4-1, to as well as Sam Spano of NC State losing 8-6 to six just a couple weeks ago. Should be a tough matchup for Sorensen, but it's a good primer getting Sorensen ready for the Big Tens coming up in a couple weeks. At 157, number 2, Michael Kemmerer, the redshirt freshman, pinned Jake Danishek in 226 against Indiana, but number 3, Tyler Berger loomed on Sunday against Nebraska. Kemmerer beat Berger, if you remember, back at the Midlands in the finals in overtime. Kemmerer didn't wrestle his best match in this one, I don't think, but he did have enough to get it done in the end, winning 3-2. to two. Here's Kemmerer after after his big win on Sunday afternoon at Carver over number three Berger of Nebraska. Yeah, I mean, I know from the Midlands we had a lot of fun scrambles, I guess, and uh, you know you kind of want to avoid those scrambles. So when you're on your shot, you want to put them down and, and finish and start working on your top stuff. So uh, I got in on that first shot and finished clean right away, and I want to score more than one takedown. So still gotta gotta you know focus on finishing those shots clean. But you know overall, good win and move on from it. Redshirt freshman Kemmerer will wrestle unranked Chase DeLand of Edinburgh coming up in the NWCAs this Saturday. 165, number 16, Joey Gunther. Been kind of on a little bit of a tear here since losing in the duel to Vincenzo Joseph of Penn State. He beat Bircher of Ohio State, then pushed number three Isaac Jordan to the brink, losing in overtime to the Badger. Since then, he's defeated ranked Wanzek of Minnesota, unranked foes in Martin of Indiana, and Williams of Nebraska. Gunther's got a tough matchup against Edinburgh. This is a real tough test for Gunther. He's going to have number nine, Austin Matthews. Matthews was pinned by Isaac Jordan when they wrestled earlier this season. I know that a lot of times in wrestling is not a great gauge as to where a guy is, but he was pinned by Jordan. Gunther pushed Jordan to the brink. Not necessarily Jordan's best match against Gunther, but again, it should be a fun matchup at 165. 174, number eight, Alex Meyer defeated Shatska of Indiana, then pinned Angler of Nebraska last week. Home stretch for another Iowa senior here. Alex Meyer, it's a name that's been brought up every single year as we're leading up to the season for the seems like the past three or four seasons. He should get a very winnable match against Schofstall of Edinburgh coming up this Saturday, and then it's time for Alex Meyer to really, really get ready. He needs to do well at the Big Tens. He needs to be an All-American again. He needs to wrestle well in the NCAAs for Iowa to be successful. 184, let's move on. Everyone looking forward to the potential matchups between number four, Sammy Brooks, and number seven, Nathan Jackson of Indiana on Friday, and then Sammy Brooks was going to get number three, TJ Dudley of Nebraska on Sunday. Neither one of those matchups happened. Uh, Mitch Bowman wrestled Friday for Iowa against Indiana, lost 23-9 against the number 7 wrestler Nathan Jackson. And then against Nebraska, Brooks gets Jaquan Sowell instead of Dudley. Sowell pinned by Brooks in 546 of the match. Edinburgh, Edinburgh Durrell should be a top 25 matchup anyway, top 20 matchup. He should get number 16 gear. Um, Brooks at 184, looking to continue to roll things right along. If you remember last year, he got hot at the right time, was able to win the Big Ten Championships, and then got into the NCAAs and was ousted in the quarterfinals.
finals. At 197, Cash Wilkie won his match against Indiana, but he was defeated rather handily against number six Aaron Studebaker of Nebraska by a score of 12 to 2. Wilkie, he's going to have Dylan Reynolds coming up against Edinburgh this weekend. Needs to get a big jumping off point. Needs to have a big win against Reynolds this weekend. He's going to have to be big for the Hawks in the postseason. Heavyweight, looks like Stephen Holloway is finally going to be the guy. They're going with the freshman after Sam Stoll was hurt. He was beat 3 to 1 by Fletcher Miller of Indiana Friday and then defeated in tough, a very tough fought match against number 14 Jensen of Nebraska Sunday. Look, he's coming along. He's an undersized freshman wrestling heavyweight that's very, very difficult. His string of ranked opponents is going to continue at number uh, with number 14 Billy Miller of, of Edinburgh. Tom Brands, look, he, he's been relatively happy with Stephen Holloway. We, we asked him about him last week, and he said he's coming right along. And he even was he even went as far as to um, praise him as far as going up against these guys, going toe-to-toe. Here's Tom Brands following Stephen Holloway loss on Sunday against Nebraska. Holloway, you know what? The Olympic and world champ couldn't come off the bottom of that guy the other night. And Stephen Holloway got an escape. And we'll start right there. We'll take anything we can get. We'll find those little positives. Thank you. The Hawkeyes NWCA Wrestling Dual Series is coming up this Saturday. They're going to number 22 Edinburgh at 6 p.m. Central Time. That's when the meet's going to be wrestled. Not number 5 Virginia Tech. Number 22 Edinburgh. A lot of controversy surrounding this. Uh, Iowa was accused of blocking a matchup with Virginia Tech last season for the NWCA Duels. Last season was the first season in this format. It's kind of a weird format. Um, Obviously, they take all the Big Ten schools and they match them up with their counterpart as far as the best school in all the other conferences. So the matchups are as follows. It's number 12, Rutgers at number 11, Lehigh. Number 16, Michigan at number 7, NC State. Purdue at number 17, South Dakota State. Number 4, Ohio State at number 8, Cornell. Number 2, Penn State at number 1, Oklahoma State. I'm definitely looking forward to that matchup. Indiana at number 20, Appalachian State. And then number 6, Nebraska at number 5, Virginia Tech. That one should be a good one as well. The, the Really the odd one out here is this number 3, Iowa versus number 22, Edinburgh. Look. Everyone wanted Iowa to wrestle Virginia Tech. It's not going to happen. And and I don't know if the politicking has anything to do with Tom Brands. Everyone says that it does. Uh, if you remember back, Tom Brands left Virginia Tech once Zalowski was like once Zalowski left Iowa. Then Brands wanted to bring some guys with him. I think you look back. I think it was um, Jay Borchell. I think Brett Metcalf was in there as well. A couple other uh, high-profile names. Kid from Cedar Rapids, Joey Slayton. I think was slated to go to Virginia Tech in there as well. And Virginia Tech blocked the scholarships. They did not want those athletes to follow Tom. Brands. Brands and ultimately, obviously, all those guys were able to follow. Uh, you look at what Metcalf did at Iowa. You look at you know guys like Joey Slayton, for instance, guys that have had success at Iowa. But that was a big deal. You know, it's been ten years, but that's that sticks in Tom Brands' mind. So that's a big part of it. You look at where Penn State's at. They're wrestling Oklahoma State, a one versus two matchup. The, the, it's it's a real shame, I think, that they don't get Virginia Tech, them being Iowa. But the format is supposed to pit the most equally matched opponents with their counterparts, and that's up for discussion. So. It would have been awesome to see him wrestle Virginia Tech, but alas, we don't get to see it. So there you have it. Iowa, number three, is going to wrestle at number 22, Edinburgh, coming up at 6 p.m. Central Time on Saturday night. And then March 4th, Big Ten Wrestling Championships. The Hawkeyes are going to get postseason wrestling underway here in the next few weeks. It's very, very exciting. This team is laden with seniors. Should have a very good opportunity to be very successful this postseason. This has been On the Mat. I'm your host, Tyler Chumlin. This is Hawkeyes Mike. Just a reminder, you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawkeyes. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard.
Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the news and events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes. And you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, Medium, and Facebook. It was a mixed bag for Iowa women's basketball this past week. They had a road loss at Ohio State, 88-81. to The Hawkeyes played well at times in that game. In fact, it was tied, 72-all with 3.56 left, but Ohio State went on a 12-2 run to close out the contest. It was the second game Iowa had to play without starting point guard Tania Davis. Freshman Kathleen Doyle played well filling in in that role. She had 11 points and 6 assists. Allie Disterhoft finished with 22 points. Mackenzie Meyer 16, and Megan Gustafson, another double-double, 17 points and 10 rebounds. Then Iowa returned home Thursday and played an outstanding game, perhaps their most complete game of the season, to defeat Northwestern 78-59. The bench was outstanding. The team was short-handed. Each player who got double minutes of playing time scored at least five points. Disterhoft and Gustafson combined for 31 points and 11 boards. Chase Coley got her first start of the season, and she had nine points, 11 rebounds, and four assists. Doyle played great again at point guard. She finished with 8 points, 7 assists, 7 rebounds. Mackenzie Meyer kept her hot streak alive with 10 points. There was also solid play off the bench. Alexa Kostanek, Hannah Stewart, and Amanda Olinger. This was an important win for Big Ten tournament seeding. Iowa is now tied for 6th in the conference, while Northwestern fell to ninth. The Hawkeyes are 16-10 overall, 7-6 in conference play. They have the chance to finish in the top half of the Big Ten. They control their own destiny in that sense by winning out the regular season. It certainly won't be easy though, especially this Sunday at Purdue. It's an 11 a.m. tip on the Big Ten Network. Then in the coming week after that game, they play at Indiana on Wednesday, 6 p.m. BTN Plus, and then return home to play Wisconsin on the 22nd. Lisa Bluter talked about the play of her young, shorthanded team and the big win over Northwestern. I thought this was just a really good controlled victory for us. I thought that we had a lot of contributions from a lot of different sources tonight. That was really nice to see. Great balance. We won every quarter. I, I feel really good about the effort that we got from our team today. I thought we had some great production off the bench. You know, Lex came in and did a great job. Hannah Stewart came in and did a great job. Uh, Amanda, you know, got six rebounds in her minutes. So we just had, you know, contributions from so many different people tonight. Chase, you know, I really recognized her after the game for her rebounding. We kind of been on her uh, all year about that rebounding, and she was our leading rebounder today and our leading offensive rebounder. So that was really nice to see. You know, it's that time of year where a fresh you know, stop playing like freshmen. And, you know, Lex brings some great experience onto the floor for us. You know, we're fortunate of that. Chase was a starter last year for us, so we're fortunate for that. I, I thought we were in really, really good control tonight. I thought we played really well last week without Tanaya. And then this happens with Christina and Bree. And it's like, okay, another wrench in the thrown in here. But I'm telling you, my players, they, every time they handle every situation, they're staying positive, they're staying confident, they can handle it. They're coming with ultimate focus for practice when we do have to change some things around. We do have to tweak some things because of people moving in and out of the lineups. But they're staying focused and, and doing a great job. So I just, you know, really commend my team because they're just doing such a great job. And Bluter talked about
about the importance of that win over the Wildcats with the next two games on the road. You want to hold that home court advantage. Um, we did tonight. We go on the road now for two games in a row, so that was really important. And then we come back for one home game before the Big Tens, so hopefully we can get it some momentum going before the Big Tens. But, you know, this playing at Purdue, always a tough place to play. We did win there a couple years ago, uh, and ironically it was during the pink game, and that's what we'll be playing again on, on Sunday. <laughs> Thanks to Tyler Chemeland for his on-the-mat wrestling report and to Iowa's coaches and student-athletes. We hope you've enjoyed this program. All Hawkeyes Mike podcasts are available and can be subscribed to on iTunes, Overcast, and other podcasting apps. HawkeyesMike.com, podcasting Iowa athletics for 10 seasons. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.